is based on the on the gospel lesson. So that's on page seven in your bulletins. I invite you to open up your bulletins there. And we're going to especially be looking at verses 23 to, to 30, where Jesus responds to the accusation that he's driving out demons in, in, the, in the name of Beelzebub. Let's begin with a, a short prayer. Lord Jesus, send your spirit into our hearts Clear out the the disruptions and and distractions and let us hear your voice through the gospel. In your name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. In 1969, Philip Zimbardo, he did an interesting social experiment. He, He took two identical cars one he put in the Bronx, and the other one he put in Palo Alto, California, and then he parked them on the street, but he took off, before he parked them there, he took off the license plate and on both sides, and then he propped open the hood. In the Bronx, almost immediately there was a young family, it was a, it was a white family, a, a dad and a mom and a young son, and immediately they looked in that hood they, and they began to pillage the car. They, so they took the radiator and the battery. And then within 24 hours, the entire car was pillaged and there was nothing of value left. It was completely destroyed and, and the car had become sort of a, a sad playground for all the kids living up there in the Bronx in those days. In Palo Alto, California, nothing happened at all. There's this car with the hood propped open, and there's no license plates on it, and nothing happens for a week. So then Philip Zambardo himself, he goes there, takes a hammer, and he smashes just one of the windows. That's all he did. Broken window. And then, within hours, the entire car is pillaged, and it, too, had become a sad playground for the kids in the area. This was Philip Zimbardo's way of of proving the theory called broken glass. And and we experience this kind of thing here in New York City all all the time. Here here at Sure Foundation, garbage pickup is on Sunday night. So we take all of our garbage after Sunday service and we put it on the street. And our carting company, it's sad to say, isn't that good. So they usually leave like a couple sacks of garbage there. And do you know what happens after that? I think you can probably guess. Somebody from the neighborhood comes along and they throw a coffee cup on there. And and then, I don't know how this happens, but then um, somebody throws a dirty diaper on there. (laughs) And then another one and another one. And they're not from church. They really aren't. And then the neighbor takes a bag of garbage and puts that on there. And and then, within a few days, what you have is a stinking pile of garbage with a TV on top. So (laughs) what what had begun, and and by the way, I'm conducting this experiment right now. If you go right outside, right after church, just check it out. I didn't clean up the garbage this morning. And there's diapers out there already. But... (laughs) What starts as just a little plastic bag quickly becomes a stinking 
pile of garbage. And you can actually see this with, with um, buildings in an urban setting, too. One broken window, if it's, not, if it's not fixed almost immediately, well, then the young people go break the next window. And then pretty soon you have people climbing in the window. And before you know it, people are squatting in there and they're lighting fires inside the building. And it had once been a perfectly good building. It went from a broken window all the way to a derelict building that ought to be condemned. (laughs) It is kind of funny, isn't it? So you move from something small to something big. And it it makes sense, doesn't it? A little plastic bag becomes, it leads to a huge pile of stinking garbage. One broken window, it leads to a derelict building. A gateway drug like weed opens the door to all kinds of drug abuse, doesn't it? One step in the wrong direction becomes a slippery slope, so to say. A foot in the door, you know that phrase, a foot in the door, leads to a door that is wide open to all kinds of abuse and violence. The pattern always remains the same. It always starts with something small and then it turns into something horrible and something that you never, ever expect. And here's the point for today. It always starts small, kind of creeping normality. So it starts with one time. You resist the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then it might end in what Jesus says in our Gospel lesson, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It almost starts with just one broken window. That's what we've been saying, right? And maybe, maybe one week you uh, work a lot and you're not getting a lot of sleep. And uh, so you say to yourself, you know what? Last week I drank all kinds of coffee and I still couldn't stay awake during Pastor Tim's sermon. I could not do it. And so I'm not going to set my alarm, right? <laughs> and... And sure enough, you, you don't set you, your alarm and you don't get up on Sunday morning. And then you wander. You, you're feeling kind of guilty about this. And then you wander around the corner and you find this nice breakfast brunch over there in Brooklyn. And they have these pancakes that have whipped cream on top and strawberries. And, and they have this amazing coffee. And pretty soon there's no guilt, is there? And only satisfaction, those wonderful pancakes And pretty soon, a person who had been at church every week now is only twice a month. And then by the end of the year, it's it's once a month. But who's counting, right? I think New Yorkers appreciate honesty, don't they? Am I right about that? So I I think New Yorkers appreciate when you just come out with it. So I'm just going to be honest with you. I've seen this pattern too many times at Sure Foundation. Where one week you resist the Holy Spirit in your life, you know what he's telling you to do, but then you don't do it, and pretty soon it's easier and easier and easier. It just starts with one broken window. That's it. You're ruining my... (laughs) I'm just kidding. In our verses for today, Jesus has... The sternest warning. I can't say that in better terms. The sternest warning to not even allow one broken window in your life. Not even one. 
And, and he speaks this to an interesting crowd of all kinds of different people that are all, they're all at all kinds of stages of spiritual development. He's got some friends there, and they say he's, quote, out of his mind. We read that. And then he's got the teachers of the law, and they say he's doing these things by the power of Satan. And then he's, his family's there, his brothers and sisters, but they don't quite believe in him, not yet. And then he's got his newly minted apostles. They had just been installed in the apostolic ministry. So all these people are listening to what Jesus says next. And I want to read this to you now. He says this. This starts at verse 23. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up that strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. So here's Jesus. They're crammed in this little house, and he's addressing all sorts of people, believers, the apostles, unbelievers, the teachers of the law who are calling him satanic, and he thinks that this is good for everybody to hear. And he's got three main points in there. Did you notice them? First of all, he refutes the lie that he is driving out demons by the power of Satan. He, he, he tells the teachers of the law, you know what, that doesn't make any sense. Why would Satan drive out Satan? Why would an enemy decide to fight amongst itself and have friendly fire. Because that's the quickest way to lose a war, right? Friendly fire. So he says that's, that just doesn't make any sense. It's illogical, as Spock would say. But then Jesus points out the next thing. And he says, what's actually happening here is the exact opposite. God is on the move, and I am powerful to save, did you, did you notice the teachers of the law actually believed these miracles were happening? These expulsions of, of evil spirits? They believe that they were happening. They're not denying the miracles. What they're denying is how Jesus is doing it. So Jesus said, let me tell you how I'm actually expelling demons. It's by my own power. I went into Satan's house. I tied him up. And now he's kicking and screaming on the floor. But he can do nothing because I'm stronger than him. And brick by brick, I am destroying his kingdom. That's what Jesus did in his earthly ministry. Brick by brick, he destroyed Satan's kingdom. And pretty soon he's going to crush Satan's head by, by dying on the cross for the sins of the world. And pretty soon he's going to defeat death by rising from the dead. That's all coming. It's in the works. It reminds me of a, of a story true story that I read about um, D-Day. Maybe you saw in your calendar, your personal calendar, that, that a couple weeks ago we celebrated the anniversary of D-Day. And on that particular day back in 1944, 
there was a, there was a, a a young captain and he was pinned down by the Germans and and the Germans are are shooting at the Americans from this farmhouse and, and they're afraid they don't want to move so General uh, Brigadier General Coda comes up and he says what are you doing here why are you just lying here being pinned down by the Germans they said well the Germans are shooting at us like he was surprised or something that they would shoot in a war. Brigadier General Coda said, let me show you how to take a house. So he sneaks up and he gets as close to the house as he can behind some, some hedges. He lets out a whoop and he tears two grenades off of his chest. He throws the grenades in the one and then he runs around to the other side. He busts down the front door and sure enough, the Germans flee out the back door. That's what Jesus was doing in his earthly ministry. He was saying, let me show you how to get rid of Satan out of people's hearts. But, but the teachers of the law were kind of saying this. Jesus is a Nazi, and he's throwing out Nazis by his own power. Ridiculous, right? Actually, blasphemy. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, Jesus says. So, so here, Jesus comes to the third part of his message. And, and right here we have the sternest warning in all of Scripture. And it's really the heart of the message of God's Word for us today. We know it because he marks it. And he says, I tell you the truth. So he says, I really, really, really want you to listen to what I'm going to say next. You can say whatever you want against me. You really can. You can, you can make fun of me. You can, you can hang me on the cross. Go ahead and do that. That's forgivable. You can look at my empty tomb and, and say, oh, it's just a lie. You can do any of that, but when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart and He convinces you of the truth, and then you turn around and say, that's Satan. You are very dangerously close to committing the sin against the Holy Spirit. And once you've committed that sin, there's no return. That is the one eternal sin. You know, in the Catholic Church, maybe you're aware of this, they have different categories for sin. They have venial sin and mortal sin. We could actually use those categories, couldn't we? We could say there's all these venial sins or all these sins that are forgivable. You can do lots and lots and lots of incredibly stupid and, and, and bad stuff. And they're all forgivable. But there's only one sin. We, we would call it the one mortal sin. That simply is not forgivable, Jesus says, and that's the sin against the Holy Spirit. And Scripture teaches here that this sin against the Holy Spirit, we use different adverbs and prepositional phrases, and these are really important for us to understand. He says this sin against the Holy Spirit is always done deliberately, and it's done publicly, and it's done in a manner in which there is no remorse and no regret. And it's that last point that I want you to think about. I think it's the most important for us, spiritually speaking. Have you ever thought about this? 
How is it possible that the Apostle Paul did not commit the, the sin against the Holy Spirit? I mean, he murdered Christians, he spoke against Christianity, but still he did not commit the sin against the Holy Spirit. And, I, and the only way I can think that, that for sure we know he didn't commit that sin is because he expressed regret, didn't he? And that's how I know, I want you to hear me now, that's how I know that you have not committed the sin against the Holy Spirit. That's how I know that, okay? And, and I really want you to hear that. I'll explain more about that later. But at the same time, I beg you and I implore you not to allow one broken window or one false step down a slippery slope. You just don't want to go there. So when the Holy Spirit, when He works in your heart, maybe it's through a sermon, maybe you did a Bible reading, maybe you listened to a devotion, and He's prompting you to do something, do it! Don't resist His call in your life. Don't grieve Him. Don't resist Him because very quickly, what is it ending? Quenching the Holy Spirit. We've already seen, right, what happens when even one window is broken. I say that to you because I'm your pastor and because I love you. Across the street from me, and I, and I was sitting out there on my stoop this morning just observing this again, there's two houses, and one house is, is falling apart. It really is. The, if even the stoop, the bricks, it would be dangerous to, to go up um, the stoop. And I feel bad for the postman every day. It's just falling apart. There's garbage everywhere. But then right next to this house, literally right next to it, there's this old lady. She, she must be European because she's got this kind of thick accent. And her house is perfect. It's beautiful. And every day she's out there sweeping, sweeping, sweeping. Always sweeping. Sometimes she even crosses sweep. Street and she sweeps some more. Maybe you know somebody like that. That's how the outside of her house looks. I wonder what the inside of the house looks like. What do you think? Swept clean, in order. Not a single broken window. Who do you want to be like? The truth of the matter is this. The Lord Jesus came into this world... And he threw a grenade into our hearts and he cleared out Satan and sin. And he's asking us, he's pleading with us to keep our hearts swept clean and in order with not a single broken window, always following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Amen.